It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the program. And with me in the KFG studios, no Kevin Corhorn today, but my fellow CFP and one of my closest friends in life, Josh Gregory. Good to be with you, Mike. Well, what keeps you up at night? What do you worry about? What are you afraid of? You know, the opposite of financial worry is financial peace. And uh, we're going to be helping you kind of dig into those financial concerns that you have and hopefully have a game plan for dealing with them. That and more coming up in this hour of the Wise Money Show. That's right. I mean, it's very possible the thing standing between you and financial peace is addressing that financial worry right now and cleaning it up and fixing it. And we're going to share some of the most common and then how you solve them to help you get closer to financial peace. That's what we're doing today. Uh, listen, we'd love to hear from you. If you have questions for the show, want to engage with us in any way, you can call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyshow.com. Submit questions right there and catch up on other content. And then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. All right, Josh, so where does Halloween rank in your list of sort of favorite holidays? At the top or at the bottom? No, it's more bottom for I, me. Like, it's not middle. Like, no no one has <laughs> yeah. Halloween you in either the love middle. either love it or hate it? Right. I, I cannot stand it. Really? I do not like being scared, number one. Uh-huh. And I think uh, I actually personally judge anyone that actually does, does <laughs> like being scared. I wonder about your mental state of mind. And and uh, and so anyway, but the other thing about it was, so growing up as a hockey player, there's always – um, tryouts around Halloween. Like the week of Halloween was always like the big tryout. And so it was just never a fun time of year. Very anyway. stressful yeah. time for you. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to, but we're going to play off of that a little bit today and not in a silly way. Like, oh, what are, you know, the financial boogeyman? No, no, no. Real, real financial worries, real financial concerns. Uh, what are they? Josh and I have both made our list. And, and then how do you, like, what's the antidote? And again, just to get a little silly, like I'm thinking, you know, Frankenstein. I didn't ever watch the old Frankenstein movies, some of those classics, uh-huh. but like when he goes all, you know, gets all crazy, is there some sort of antidote or is there something that calms him down and keeps him? I have no idea. I don't think right? so. I but think it, you're thinking of the Hulk. I might be. He's oh, yes, I am. Calm of, course, of course. But like, <laughs> so, so, so not only pointing out what are those financial fears, but then what's the antidote? Like, how do you calm them down? How do you address them? How do you relieve those fears? So, Josh, I mean, we both have just made our list. So what do you got? Oh, I, I love the topic, by the way. Thanks. Uh, I, I was actually kind of excited coming into the studio today because this is this is something we have never hit before. Right. You would think after all these years, uh, we're into recycling topics, but this one's new. So golf clap to you. Hey. I don't know if it was you or Lindsay that came up with that one, but... Uh, I, I'm excited to talk about this. And, and it mostly got me thinking about what are the fears that I observe in clients? Yeah. Because it, it comes out in conversations. You know, people sort of bear their souls when they're, um, you know, re- reviewing their financial life with you. And the types of questions or concerns that they're asking reveals what it is that's on their mind. And, and often it is stuff that's literally keeping them up at night. Yep. Yep. So, you know, to me, I, I think most of our fears, they can fall into uh, some commonalities, I guess. And it's often things that um, 
you feel like you can't control or maybe you can't see coming. Sometimes, um, you know, it, it could be things that you don't really understand. Those might be a little bit more irrational fears mm-hmm. at times. Um, but if, if it's an event that you have a hard time bouncing back from, uh, that, that can really be stressful for people and, yep. and even debilitating at times. So my hope is that as we get into these, um, I, I, my hope is that financial planning will be the overarching antidote and and dealing with these things head on and not just kind of stuff in those fears because they really are legitimate and it could be steering you in the wrong direction at times. And, and influencing some of the decisions you make. If you're living in a state of sort of financial fear, you could be missing out on taking advantage of or making progress in certain and in, in other areas. So let's get into it. What, what would you say, Josh, is maybe the number one financial fear or concern that you would you would observe in people or that you've seen this one i'm guilty of recency bias on this one because i just had a conversation with a client last night uh called me up and said hey i got a letter in the mail that says i'm gonna lose my job because I am not vaccinated, and I don't plan to get vaccinated. Whoa, you're going I, there right now, Josh. I am. Jeez, like, I, that's, that one did not make the top of my oh, list. Did you want to ease into that one? <laughs> Settle down. This, don't don't let this be a lightning rod. Okay. No, no, no. no. In all seriousness, though, um, you know, for, for him, he's never we, – we've never had conversations about him fearing his job. He's a top performer in his field, um, has had a great career, loves the company that he's in. And really, we've always talked about, well, someday he'll retire from this company. Like this is a, a, a kind of a dream job for him. And uh, now, now he's wrestling with a question that never was on his radar, but it was forced there just, just recently. And that is, what if you lose your job? Are you, are, are you the advisor for Kyrie Irving? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. So, okay. So, uh, so how do you, how do you deal with that? I mean, that's, Losing losing a job that was actually the top of my list as well. I think for a financial fear that's that that's on most people's list. I think financial planning though does help solve that. But you're talking about this this. I mean, some people might be listening saying, "Well, geez, to solve that one, get the shot. Just go get a shot, and you'll be fine." (laughs) Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, in his particular case, he's actually fresh on the heels of just recovering from COVID and got an infusion. Like it was was a big deal. But he was advised, no, you shouldn't go get the shot in the next 90 days or whatever. Yeah. But his employer is saying otherwise. But but that's just a circumstance, right? Yep. You know, you could lose your job from getting conked on the head and you're disabled and can't work anymore. Or you could lose your job because your industry kind of changes or or your job gets outsourced to another country or something. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of reasons that people face this, but it it resonates differently with people depending on what stage of life they're in. Because someone in their 20s, for example, losing their job, it's like, well, I wasn't planning on being here for very long anyway. Sure. You know, uh, Someone in their 60s or 70s may also be thinking, well, I'm just going to figure out, can I just go retire? But those people who are really truly dependent upon this income and they have a bunch of other lives in their home who may also be dependent, they've got college tuition payments or mortgage payments and everything. Those are folks that need to have already had a game plan in place before this event uh, arrives. And the the very first thing to have in place, we talk about emergency funds all the time as a financial planning tool to deal with uncertainty. 
And to me, the uncertainty that it, it helps you to resolve or try to prevent is a loss of income. Interruption right. of income is kind of the granddaddy of all emergencies. Yep, that's right. And that's typically why the, the, um, the rule of thumb is three to six months of your lifestyle or your, some people just make it easy and say three to six months of your income. I would say three to six months of your lifestyle. Um, and, and that, you know, if you lose your job, you've got three to six months to go and replace it and find and find another one. And so I, yeah, I would, the antidote to, to the fear of losing your job, uh, sometimes that's, you influence it, right? It's your job performance, but other times it's totally outside of your control. Yep. And so how do you relieve yourself of that fear and that worry? I'd say the three bank account system and that, that third bank account is that emergency fund. That's the most important. But the other two are just as important. And that is that you've got a routine, that you've got a habit of saving up for known upcoming expenses. Because if you've got something that is already circled on the calendar, it's going to cost money and you've already said yes to it, you've committed to it. Do you have the finances there to, uh, to, 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 to cover it, whether that's you know a vacation or a Christmas or a house repair or something like that, having the money set aside for it? And then do you have the right margin built into your budget each and every month as well? So uh, that, that topped my list as well. We're going to get into the other big financial concerns, helping you address them and solve them. That and more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Financially, what keeps you up at night? You know, when you when you can't sleep, when you had too much coffee or whatever, you just lay in there and your mind's wandering. When it wanders to finances, what are the concerns you have? We're addressing them today. We're 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 pulling those skeletons out of the closet or 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 whatever, and we're helping you address it so you have financial peace. Uh, that's what we're talking about today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Joshua Gregory. No Kevin Corhorn today. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media, just search the Wise Money Show. All right, the first big financial fear that we started tackling is losing your job. And, uh, and Josh, a couple more comments to share about how you solve that one as a worry. Yeah, you know, we talked about the emergency fund, which is more preventative medicine than anything. You've got to have it in place, obviously, before the interruption to your income occurs. But, um, you know, some of the other things that you can be doing proactively are just constantly focused on building new skills. You know, mm-hmm. transferable skills are a big part of your problem solving if you do lose your your job. And it's it's the thing that I would want to encourage you with. If you're facing a job loss coming soon or you just did lose your job, that's a time to kind of stop and take inventory on, all right, what are the skills that I have that are valuable and they're marketable? They are transferable into another employer. Maybe you starting your own business. Maybe it's even transferable into a completely new industry. But those skills go with you. And building them while you're in a current role, while your job is not on the line, I think is, is really important. And uh, a, a lot of people, they're, they're content to just kind of coast along in life instead of constantly sharpening the saw, so to speak. It, it's almost hard to even think about this right now, although many, I'm sure, listening have recently faced job loss or something like that. But the, we have so many more job openings than there are even people looking. It's hard to even think about downsizing or whatever. But I would piggyback on what Josh said and tell you it for for other preventative medicine um you know do more find a way to not only build more skills but apply more even at your current job and that will help 
uh, hopefully insulate you if cuts or something come in the future. Here was the other one that that got me thinking about when I think about financial fears. This one stood out to me. I remember going on a trip, just Cindy and I, when we had two of the three kids, but we didn't have the full estate plan structure in place that I knew we needed. Hmm. Okay. I think it was a wedding over in Estes Park, Colorado. And Cindy and I were just, we had looked at it and like, okay, if we, if we uh, get a plane ticket, we'll have to drive to Chicago, which takes time, then fly to Colorado Springs or Denver and then rent a car and drive to Estes Park. And we we're like, you know what? Let's just drive this thing. Stupid, dumb, dumb idea. Really, <laughs> it's really a long bad idea. way. It's a long, it's a long way. So we just drove that thing. And Carrington and Kipe stayed home with Mima, and uh, I just—I remember having some financial fear about that. What if mm. something happened? And we had a will in place, but it just wasn't the right structure. And so I think that's a fear a lot of people have: either passing away with young kids, or maybe you could even just say. Um, you know, what if something happens and I don't have a will in place or I don't have the proper instructions in place? Uh-huh. It's so funny that you have the same second one yeah. as I did. I, yeah. I worded it just a little bit differently, and that was fear of losing a spouse or a family member and not being ready for it, which has to do with estate planning, has to do with your life insurance that you have in place, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And it's one that I don't know about you, but most clients, they might not articulate that as one of their concerns right out of the gate. But when we bring it up, it's like they they get real vulnerable real fast because yeah. it is the one that's in the back of their mind that they don't want to give attention to. Mm-hmm. And it, it is the reason why estate plans go uncreated, undrafted, unimplemented. And... Um, it's always the big trip, right? That gets <laughs> people is. thinking, like, well, what if this plane goes down or right. whatever? Oh, why'd but... you point at me? Gosh, Josh, Josh I've knows been I'm on not... plenty of planes with you, <laughs> and it, it looks like the most stressful event of your life every time. So, okay, so so how do you solve how do you solve this one? And um, you know, one one component is working with a certified financial planner and doing a life insurance needs analysis. And part of that process is just talking about those financial risks in particular if you were to pass away you or your spouse pass away i mean it's it's awful to think about but what would life look like how much you know would you how much income would you have what bills would you have and sort of do that go through that process to then determine if there is a life insurance need or if there's a gap between what you have and what you really need and then how you solve that um, I typically, Josh, I'm assuming you you feel the same way, typically like to have that conversation about that life insurance needs analysis in the exact same meeting we're talking about the estate plan. Yeah. Because people don't like to talk about this these these ways. Right, <laughs> right. At at different times. Like who wants to go see their financial advisor if every time you t- you go see them they're talking about you dying. It is a depressing meeting though it's, when you're yeah, covering both of those topics. But but I, I think I think there's certain emotions, of course, fears that come into play anytime someone's talking about that. And so you're gonna want someone that has the heart of a teacher that can ex- that can teach through the life insurance process and why you would need a certain amount versus you know or a certain type instead of something else and then teach through the estate plan as well i mm-hmm. think education can go a long way to getting people comfortable with okay 
I see what's needed here and I can make the necessary decisions to get the right stuff in place. Yeah, not only choosing what documents to have in place, how to set up beneficiaries and everything, but also how do you communicate this to your family? When is it okay to start letting your kids know about what's going on in your financial life and yeah. and what would happen if the unthinkable occurred, right? And both mom and dad were gone and some yep. crazy accident or whatever. I, I And just a couple weeks from now, uh, after the show, on a Saturday, I have uh, a family meeting with some clients who have unfortunately seen some tragedy in their life. And as we got the estate plan structured, restructured for mom and dad, they said, let's bring all the kids in. We're going to zoom in a couple from New York and from out of town. And then the ones that are local enough are going to come in and we're going to just talk through it. So That's great. So work with your certified financial planner. Face these, face these two fears. Face this reality. You don't have to dwell on it. I think when Cindy and I originally set up our estate plan, I, I talked to her about who she'd want to play what role when we were on a road trip up to Grand Rapids because she couldn't squirm and get out of the vehicle and yep. avoid the conversation. <laughs> it was like, okay, if this happened, who would play what role? And so That's great. Josh, uh, another financial fear. What's what's another one? You know, um, I, I think one we have to talk about is on the mind of many folks, especially as they get closer to retirement and they've accumulated the most investment assets that they've ever had in their life. And the fear that the market will just erase it all right on yep. the eve of retirement or even into retirement. And um, that one, you know, it's it, it may be more on the irrational end of the spectrum because um, you know, that that doesn't really happen all that often if you've really diversified well and you've you've structured your investments appropriately and you're not taking more risk than is necessary. But this one feels to me like it's it's one of those examples of an event that feels out of control for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Who can predict what the stock market's going to do next and and what's going to cause their investments to decline? And so it feels like this ever-present possibility and it could undo a lifetime's worth of work um, in in theory. But to me, the way that you avoid this is by having someone in the cockpit with you, someone helping to fly the plane as you go into retirement, and um, and, and making sure that you aren't taking excessive amounts of risk. Yep. And uh, as the world uh, and your, your investments do really well, um, what happens over time is often risk starts to drift higher, and you may need to pair that back at times. A certified financial planner's job is to help guide you through that. And another kind of antidote to that, as you've accumulated more money than you ever have, and you're going to start using it. So on the eve of retirement is restructuring those investments into a personal pension plan, into a format so that your long-term money is taking high risk, but your short-term money is not. And you've got that clarity and confidence with that as well. So uh, stock market crash was on my list. What else is on my list? I don't know if we're going to get through all of them. What are the financial fears? How do you address them? We've got more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. All right, we're talking about financial risks. What are your financial fears? Sort of a play on being that it's Halloween right now. What are you afraid of financially? But these aren't like silly little, you know, are you afraid of the dark sort of things. These are real. In fact, the first three we've hit, I'm going to say everyone shares these fears. Okay, the point is, do you have a a financial plan in place that allows you to have financial peace, even though these these fears or these uncertainties exist? We're helping you with that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studio. 
KFG Studios. Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, not with us today. Every episode is on the YouTube channel. Go check it out. You missed anything today or catch up on previous episodes. Go to YouTube, search The Wise Money Show, subscribe to it there. All right, Josh, we left off on stock market crash. Yeah, to me, stock market crash is one of several items that kind of could all be lumped together into the, the category of fear of running out of money. Okay. And it's like one of the causes in, in many people's minds that, well, the stock market's going to cause me to lose a bunch of my assets and I'm going to run out of money because of that. But that's not... So I had running out of money in retirement as a separate one than stock market crash. They're absolutely related. But you could be entering into retirement or close to retirement wondering if you're going to run out of money and whether the stock market crashes or not. That's right. Because maybe you don't have enough accumulated, sure. right? Right. Or maybe you have these major expenses that are going to cause you to kind of dwindle your nest egg faster than what you really can afford to do. So there's lots of reasons that someone could run out of money. The, the stock market feels like one that many people bring up or they it, it feels like it's out of their control. So they want some reassurance in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, spending too much in retirement may be a cause for you to run out of money. I, I hear people every once in a while, they they genuinely fear um, ID theft or just oh. the theft of money, mm. you know, getting ripped off in life. I mean, white collar crimes like this, they're just, yeah. they're a big deal. Um, uh, yeah. I want to, I want to park on just uh, on the running out of money in retirement for just a moment, because I also think that, so that is the, apparently the number one fear of baby boomers. Josh, remember this a long time ago when we were doing presentations and whatnot, we saw that that was the number one fear. And the second greatest fear was death. Yeah. <laughs> People would rather would. So anyway, it, which is sort of ironic in a way, if you think about that. And so um, what's the antidote to that? Because it could be, well, you might be taking too much risk in the stock market. And if there's a crash, you might not be able to recover. Yeah. I think it's more. Uh, you said spending too much. Well, what if what if you're just spending your lifestyle, your normal? Like you would say, well, I'm living within my means, what you thought was in your means, mm-hmm. and yet didn't structure Social Security correctly, didn't prepare correctly, didn't have the right structure in your investment. So to me, that antidote, um, you've got to be preparing to address that fear early. Sure. 30s, 40s, and then do in your 50s and 60s, updating and refining that that five-factor retirement plan so that you know when you step off that cliff and transition from working into retirement, you know you've stress test your plan, you've got high confidence, I mean, eight, 90% confidence, and mathematically, that um, all the assumptions that you're not going to run out of money. And so your certified financial planner should help you address that one. Yeah, that that is, and, and that's the, the emphasis there. They should be helping you. This should be a conversation, a collaboration between you and your certified financial planner. Um, you know, it's, it's your life that they're trying to stress test, your vision for the future. And as you get into those conversations, there's all kinds of trade-offs that may be uh, available to you. And it, it's them trying to help you understand what are the things that are within your control yep. in retirement. Could you save more? Could you retire a little bit later? Could you spend a little bit less? Could you take more or less um, risk with your, your investments? That sort of thing. And the more control that you have, I've just observed this over time, 
the more control that someone perceives that they have, the less fearful they are. Yep. Right? Yep. So now, wh- whatever age you are, now is the time to be thinking about what you want your retirement to look like. Those later years when you walk away from a paycheck, um, are, are you going to be in a position where you have lots of options, you have lots of choice and control? If you are, it becomes less and less fearful for you to make that transition. What about this one connected to it? Um, you ever have people afraid of of transitioning off of their health insurance at retirement or whatever? Like that, I think that's a genuine fear. What yep. am I going to do for health insurance? Mm-hmm. And even when if you retire at age 65 or, or later and you can transition right onto Medicare, there's also some fear because that thing is as complicated as possible. And so I think the antidote when you're transitioning from group health insurance over to Medicare, the antidote is lots of education early, you know, start that mm-hmm. understanding process. We've done lots of shows on it. And, but it's, it, that, that even of itself is no substitute for talking through it with your certified financial planner and a health insurance expert. Um, but then I think there's even more fear when you're transitioning off of group health insurance to some other insurance that's not Medicare. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, I've seen some clients who it's a fearful enough event to go off of a group plan and onto you know the Affordable Care Act, something in the marketplace, Obamacare, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and there's some who have postponed retirement. They could afford to retire at, say, 60, but they keep on working to age 65 because they don't want that five-year gap where it's going to be an out-of-pocket expense to buy their own health insurance. Even though we can prove to them confidently that they can afford to do it, they just don't want the expense. They don't want the uncertainty. They don't want that change. And uh, it, it's unfortunate, but you're exactly right. If you can be more understanding or more aware of, better educated on what your options are, maybe that doesn't have to be a hurdle for you to prevent or delay your retirement. Yeah. What about this one? Um, the uh, getting that love letter from the IRS. Getting, I, I can picture, I can close my eyes, I can picture the envelope. I can see it. The IRS notice. There is um, no one likes that surprise, Mm -hmm. number one. And number two, though, I know we've also seen it where some folks, there's a phobia with taxes as well. And maybe you've received a notice or maybe you're afraid of getting a notice or afraid of getting in trouble. And sometimes that can be, I mean, it shuts people down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, getting in trouble in some people's minds is, I'm going to go to jail if I make a mistake on my tax return or yeah, something. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you can take this to some extremes at times, but often, and, and we tell people this all the time, after we file a tax return for someone, there's always a risk that they're going to get some sort of a notice in the mail. And sometimes that notice will, will say, hey, you owe us more money than what you sent us. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, just gripped by fear and it's their their knee-jerk reaction is to get the checkbook out and you know send send off this money that the the irs says that they owe and in reality often it it could be a discrepancy between some records it's a simple letter that the cpa writes and makes it go away yep right because the irs believe it or not they can be wrong at times right Uh, often and so to me the antidote there is working with to me it's not just a cpa because the cpa is not going to understand your entire financial situation it's it's a certified financial planner who's who's doing tax planning with you and your tax professional so that any notice you get in the mail, it's 
okay, well, let's figure out what are they saying? Oh, yeah, this was a mistake by the IRS or looks like we're missing a tax form. Did you receive that tax form or something like that? Those are easily those fears are easily squelched with the right team. Yep. We've got just a few moments left here, Josh. Rapid fire. I mean, what else? I think major health expenses in retirement, that long-term care yep. event where you need some sort of skilled nursing, that can erode someone's financial life, and a lot of people fear it. Yep. Uh, I think fear that your kids will never come off the payroll. <laughs> oh, the that K- one. Yeah. You know, uh, failure to launch, I guess you could say, might be a fear of some parents at times. And then just major out-of-pocket expenses that are unpredicted. Mm-hmm. That's often a topic of discussion for financial planning clients. I had house fire and, and getting sued. Yep. Yep, those are some big ones. So guys, there's just a lot. Whatever is on your list, work with your certified financial planner. Find some financial piece. Get a plan in place. All right, we've got more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What are you financially afraid of? Hopefully, hopefully the discussion thus far has pointed out Uh, some financial concerns and maybe motivated you, hopefully encouraged you to take your next wise step to move from financial fear to financial peace. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Joshua Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast. So if you've missed anything today or want to catch up on previous episodes, wherever you listen to podcasts, just go there, search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it and rate the program there. We appreciate that. I want to say thank you to Auto Owners Insurance for sponsoring this segment of the Wise Money Show. They do so on a regular basis where we're talking about insurance topics, insurance questions from fans of the show. Thank you, Auto Owners. We appreciate that. And it goes hand in hand with the headliner topic today, which is financial fears, because getting the right insurance protection in place and having the right risk management strategy is vital to 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 living with risks, but having financial peace. That's right. It, you know, having insurance doesn't make the risk go away. It just deals with the the potential ramifications if a bad event actually occurs, right? Yeah. You lose a spouse, there's a bad car accident, your house burns down, you're getting sued. These are These are things that you can actually transfer some of the risk to an insurance company if you get the right protection in place, but it doesn't stop those events from occurring in your life. That's right. All right, so let's hit uh, let's hit some questions from fans of the show. First one, my goodness, I did a we did an XY step video on this a few weeks ago, so so check it out. But I mean, this topic I think is going to be something that we hit several times over the next couple of years until this current trend changes. So here's the question, or here's the comment: My replacement value for my house on my insurance is very different than what my house is actually worth. Is that a concern? So Josh, explain explain that real quick. Well, so so what's your house worth? That's market value, right? That that's what would a willing buyer pay for this house if you were to sell it? You know, like a willing buyer, like Zillow or BlackRock, <laughs> right. your normal run of the mill uh, folks that are buying up houses in neighborhoods. Exactly. Oh, and by the way, BlackRock's using government money to buy houses. That's unbelievable. It, it really is. 
This is a new world we live in, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, so what you would sell your house for is not necessarily what it would cost to rebuild that house if there was a complete loss. That's what replacement cost is. If you literally had to rebuild this thing from scratch, what would it what would it cost? And the the thing to keep in mind is when you're buying insurance for your home to be able to deal with that type of tragic event, you're you're not only paying for uh, the cost of all the construction and everything, but uh, usually baked into these policies is a little bit of wiggle room for prices to drift higher. If we're in an environment like this, where you know lumber prices have been all over the place right. over the past year, labor shortages are causing uh, a lot of these prices to increase and everything. Um, so, so it's not just a moving target on what the replacement cost really could come to. Um, but there's also if your house burned down or if it was knocked over in a in a tornado or something like that, there's a bunch of costs into just getting the debris off of the the lot. And and that's got to be covered in this replacement cost as well. So getting back to just a clean slate, you don't have to insure the land itself because the land's not going anywhere. But if the house burned down, um, you got to get a clean slate and then we're rebuilding from from scratch essentially. That's what replacement cost does for you on your homeowner's policy. I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the land because um, typically inside of a subdivision, a, uh, a, a, what, a third acre or something like that, I don't know what normal lot sizes are, you know, 30 grand, something like that. Cindy and I, um, a while ago, we're like, well, should we build? There's some lots left or whatever. They were like 30 or 40 grand. And then the lots became more scarce and they were 60. And now mm-hmm. they're Hundred, a hundred, yeah. right? Or even farmland. Uh-huh. Farmland. I heard recently in Elkhart County, you know, six grand an acre or something like that. No, 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 like forty thousand an acre, wow. which is just insane. Yeah. And so that's baked into the market value and the value of the house. And I, we're, we're, what I'm sharing is there's been significant upward pressure on those prices. Um, so that makes your potentially your house market value higher, but you don't have that doesn't impact the insurance, the the replacement cost. And yet at the same time, the same force that's at work driving house prices up are also driving, you know, construction costs up and labor up. And so I guess I would want to make sure, Josh, you're saying, well, those are different things, but this is still important time to look at that replacement cost. It really, really is. And, And that's because, you know, if you've been in your house for 10 years, let's say, and you, um, you got the right amount of insurance the day that you moved in, it's probably been on some sort of autopilot, just small escalation over time, essentially trying to keep up with normal inflation. Well, if you come into an environment like we're in right now over the past two years and prices have skyrocketed, that automatic increase may be way off from yep. what your actual replacement cost would be. Again, separate from market value. Yes, they both move higher together typically, but the number that matters for insurance is what would it cost to rebuild this thing? And your insurance agent should have at their disposal a pretty sophisticated software tool that allows them to interview you and essentially understand what is it uh, about your house that makes it unique and everything? What's its square footage and what kind of flooring and roofing and all that stuff? And it goes into this this calculator called a replacement cost estimator. And it essentially estimates if you had to rebuild this thing today, here's what it would take. 
And that allows you to kind of snap the, the amount of insurance back to the right amount. If you've done any kind of improvements on your house since you uh, bought it, or since you last did a replacement cost estimator, you could be wildly off yeah. on your on your number because that finished basement changes things, those new windows change things. Uh, there's all kinds of things you could be doing, and you need to revisit this periodically. I would uh, periodically, and I would actually tell you, for the majority of you listening, that's right now. Right now, I mean, to me, I, you know, I would, there's been enough changes with, prices and distortions in the market and supply chain issues and whatever, now is a great time. If you have not contacted your independent insurance agent recently and said, hey, can can we do a replacement cost estimator? Now might be that time. And if you've never done that ever, uh, call an agent now. I, I would tell you that now now is the time. And um, certainly we're happy to help our, our team of independent agents at KFG. We're happy to help. Um, but reach out to an independent agent and get that work, get that work done. And let's just be honest with ourselves too. When you do this, if your replacement cost goes up and the amount of insurance you need goes up, it's going to cost a little bit more, right? Yep. But don't be fearful and just avoid doing this because I don't want to pay any more for my insurance. Well, if you have inadequate insurance, you may be paying for it many times over in the wrong direction. You may, may be uh, having a, a pretty awful financial hit if the wrong event occurs and you are underinsured. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a story and then to segue to the next question, I'll share a couple more. And, and that is just found out recently that um, I had a friend of mine that had a house fire. Dogs apparently bumped or touched or something on the stove. And, you know, I, trust me, he wasn't planning on that. They yeah. were not planning on that at all. And so if you say, well, I don't want to go through this replacement cost estimator because it might mean I need to insure my house for more and it might mean I have to pay a couple extra bucks. Well, listen, if you find out that you're facing a house claim or fire or something like that, that's not the time you want to worry about, wait, do I have the right protection or not? Exactly. All right. So there's one story. Transition to the next question. Um, how do you properly insure a vehicle in today's market? Do I is gap insurance more important these days? I was at a softball tournament uh, for my daughter. We're talking to some of the parents, and one of the parents had a uh, a, 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 cat, a really nice Cadillac Escalade or something like one of the long ones. Okay, and I don't know what it, like is that a Cadillac Escalade XL? I don't know, guys. I don't know. I'm not a car person. Okay, and uh, she was talking about how it's two years old, and a dealership called her. And offered her a hundred and fifteen thousand dollars to buy it. What? And now she might be making it up. I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I didn't say show me the proof, but I mean that's insane. Even yeah. if that's even close to accurate. Yeah. Um. And so, like a couple other parents and I were like, "So you sold it, right?" And she's like, "Well, no, because then I'd have to turn around and buy something. And we love this vehicle." But when when vehicles, especially used vehicles, are going for this high, how do you properly insure them? Like yeah. so, the, in this gap the, to the question, this gap insurance is um, the difference between like sort of what it's worth and what you would you owe. owe. Right. So I guess, it, but it really only applies if you were the original buyer. Yeah, right? that's so true. It's got to be on new cars. But the the whole reason that this originally was created was when you buy a new car and drive it off the lot, it drops in value immediately. Right. Right. 
but unfortunately that loan doesn't drop in balance immediately. And so you could very quickly become upside down on a car loan if you're buying brand new. And what if on your way home, you wreck the thing? It's worth less than what you bought it for. You owe more than it's worth. You have a gap between those those two numbers and uh, the the insurance company you know can provide coverage for that yep. uh, on a new vehicle. But I guess to your point, if you bought that brand new vehicle and today it's worth more it's than worth you more, <laughs> bought right. it for, uh, what a strange world. I, I don't even know what that means for for gap coverage, but. Well, talk to your independent agent about it. I think also at the same time, though, similar to replacement cost estimator for your for your house, I think exploring do I have the right coverage on my for for property damage on my vehicle yep. or for a vehicle that I might damage accidentally mm-hmm. in an accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, or uh, your vehicle being damaged by someone else's accident, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if that person doesn't have insurance or doesn't have enough insurance, it's your policies, uninsured or underinsured coverage is what's going to make you whole if, if they're driving around without any protection in place. You need to look at that number and make sure that the limits that your company's willing to pay is enough to actually fix the vehicle or replace the vehicle. Sometimes there can be a gap there in uh, the amount of uninsured or underinsured coverage. I'm 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 thinking about this and I just we we eat our own cooking here, but I I have not looked at my auto insurance to review my property damage limits. And I just got me thinking, okay, that's the price that I need to do. So Janet, if you're listening, I'll be in touch. <laughs> um but like, is this a fad? The the vehicle, like, there certainly has to be a fad that used vehicles are going up in value. That we know that that will change. But are vehicle values all of a sudden going to drop like crazy? Or so this is a okay. If you wait long enough, you won't need to update this insurance. Or what, it, what are it your thoughts? It reminds me of the cash for for clunkers deal back coming out of two thousand eight and nine and everything. Yeah, there were so many used vehicles that just disappeared off the market and there was a shortage of used vehicles so prices increased it's a short-term anomaly that i think will correct itself once we can actually get chips in new vehicles and and so on so hopefully this is a temporary problem all right well i hope that helps i I appreciate uh appreciate uh the auto owners for sponsoring the the content so hopefully that helps that's all the time we have for today on behalf of josh gregory myself all of us at kfg have a great weekend We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated. Welcome to another... Woo! Oh, my God. Dude. Dude, I wouldn't do that. Like that actually <laughs> hurt your ears. It sounded like it actually changed. <laughs> Hello. Like it sounded like it. In so your now I'm tired and mad. <laughs> You're supposed Good. to be awake. Good point. Oh, tired and mad. I'm sorry. I was trying to help you. <laughs> wow. Well, maybe maybe it only helped me. I don't know. <laughs> I think you are more awake. <laughs> it it was very entertaining. Now. All right. Well, if you need hearing aids when you're 60 now, I apologize in advance. The uh, payback (laughs) is coming. Oh, I can't wait.